Well, hello, wherever you are, hello. I'm so grateful to God for the teams that he's given us. And when I think about this morning and the, the, the message that's going out through worship and all the other things that we're doing together with Supergang and young people, thank God for the teams and the people that he's given to us. Absolutely fantastic. I don't know how your summer has been. Uh, some people's experience has been very difficult. Some have been quite the opposite. Uh, all sorts of different experiences. Uh, I hope you've maybe you've been able to get away. Maybe you haven't. Uh, we got away. We went up in our camper van and uh, you can see on the screen there. Uh, we got all the way up to Orkney and had a very relaxed and peaceful time. There weren't many other people there, as you can imagine. That was great for us. But I do hope summer has been good for you and you've been able to relax in some way. We're going to start today our new series, which we've called Scattered. And let me introduce the series to you, first of all, and explain how this has come about. The subtitle is Everyone, Everywhere, Every Day. Three things have come together to lead us into this series. The first is that as a group of elders, as we're praying and asking God, well, where do you want us to go as a church? What are you speaking to us about? And uh, we really wanted to do some teaching from the Bible. We believe in the, the Word of God. And uh, we were drawn to the New Testament particularly. And I found myself, as I was reading Philippians, getting very excited. Something was stirring in me. And uh, chapter 1 especially, as uh, you'll see in a moment. And uh, when I shared this with the team, we were all getting uh, quite stirred. Let's, we're going to unpack Philippians through the term. And let me just read you some extracts. First of all, they'll come up on the screen to read together. Remember that Paul the Apostle is chained up in prison when he's writing this. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the good news from the first day until now. Being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day Christ Jesus returns. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. But what does it matter? And notice this next bit. The, the important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. For to me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. He goes on. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. There's a standout theme in chapter 1, isn't there? The extracts of which I've just read. Partnership in the good news. Paul says, what's happened to me served to advance the gospel. Even in prison, that's his mindset. That's what he's thinking about. The important thing is that in every way Christ is preached. Most of the brothers and sisters have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously. There's a theme of partnership. There's a theme of fresh courage. There's a theme of deep devotion for me to live is Christ to die is gain 
So that's the first thing. It was our eldership reflection on the scriptures and how God was leading us. The second thing that's come together is simply our context. We recognize we want to preach into the context that we find ourselves living in, in these current days. We are a church that is scattered almost entirely. We're not able to meet together as we normally would do, along with the churches all around the nation and indeed many around the world. And then the third thing that's come together is we were recommended a book, I believe it was Mike Betts, who recommended the book Scattered Servants by Alan Scott. And as the the elders read this, we were very stirred by this. And uh, it seems to us that there is a prophetic message here in this book that came out last year, a prophetic message to the global church of quite some significance. Therefore, we've made it book of the term, and I'd encourage you to, to get it and to read it. It's an exciting book. All these things line up with Philippians chapter 1. Uh, boom. And so we've chosen to focus in this chapter for the first part of the term, and we'll go on to the rest of the book in the rest of the term. Let's just take a minute to consider the Jerusalem church, because this is a church that got scattered. They had been given instructions, go into all the world until I come back, Jesus had said, wait until the Spirit comes, then go to Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. They'd been given in the Spirit. Everyone was filled at Pentecost, we read. They had gathered thousands. Peter had said to a great crowd, each of you must turn from your sins and turn to God. And you know, 3,000 did exactly that on that very day. I just want to stop for a moment and ask you, have you turned to God? I can remember very clearly the day that I turned to God. I came from a place of not being in relationship with him to knowing him personally. And he has that for every single one of you listening today. Whoever you are and wherever you are, you can turn to God. And he calls you to do that. This church in Jerusalem, they gathered thousands to turn to God. They devoted themselves to church life. They shared their possessions. And they got stuck in Jerusalem. It was almost as if they'd forgotten what Jesus had told them to do. To take the message, not only to Jerusalem, but to Judea and Samaria, which was the areas, the regions around, and then on to the ends of the earth. So what happens next? Well, in Acts chapter 8, it tells us how a great persecution came. And everyone except the apostles in that church in Jerusalem were scattered. And this scattering resulted in them taking the good news about Jesus wherever they went. And it says specifically throughout Judea and Samaria. See, the world wasn't going to be reached by a church that was stuck in Jerusalem. In this case, it was the persecution that scattered them and took them to the regions that Jesus had right in the beginning told them to go to. My uncle, my uncle Cliff and my, brother and my father uh, were going for a walk a long time ago and they were chat, chat, chat and Cliff was a real talker and he was walking along, talking, talking, talking to my dad and suddenly, bang, he walked straight into a lamppost and broke his nose. And... He had a bent nose for the entire rest of his life, the next, like, 80 years. He was so busy talking to his brother that he didn't look where he was going. 
you might ask yourself the question, it just occurred to me to ask, why didn't my dad tell him? Why didn't he warn him? Well, maybe he hadn't seen the lamppost. Or maybe he thought it would be rather funny if his brother walked into it. I don't know. Brothers can do things like that sometimes. But for us, God's calling us as a people to warn people, don't walk into the lamppost in their spiritual sense of the word. You know, as we look at this whole idea of being partners in the gospel, not leaving people to walk into the spiritual lamppost, it's really important that you hear this next bit right from here, which is this. This is not going to be anybody putting anybody under any pressure. This is going to be us asking God to change us from the inside, to come on us by his spirit, so that something happens inside, in our hearts, as a result of which our hearts are changed, our lives are changed, and the way we live our lives is changed. And I know that the Holy Spirit inside every one of you is witnessing with this, is saying yes to this. There's something in you that says, yeah, I really want to be able to help people, to point people to Jesus, but I just find it really, really difficult. Do you know what we do? We all do. I do as well. But God wants to help us. And I do believe that these things are lining up as he's pointing us in this direction to say, okay, church, you've not been able to meet together. You've been scattered, but actually I'm going to bring great purpose out of it as I touch your hearts and send you out of the building into the community where you live and the people you're amongst. Let me read you a short extract from Alan Scott's book, uh, this book of the term. He says this, The dream of God over your life is not that you become a believer and help out the local church. The dream of God over your life is that you come alive in his presence and bring life to every environment, spilling contagious hope into hurting humanity. The next great move of God is not a movement in the church, but a movement of the church. What about us as a church then? Well, we've also, just like the church in Jerusalem, we've been given instructions. Biblical instructions to go and make disciples of all nations, as Jesus said. And he said, I'm with you always until the very end of the age. And that's not yet come. So the instruction still stands. Ask the Lord of the harvest, Jesus said, to send workers out into the harvest fields. He's called us. We've been instructed to be partners in the gospel. We've had biblical instruction. We've also had prophetic instruction. It was a few years ago now that one of our elders, Ian Colville, brought a prophetic word on his leaving Sunday as he moved back to Northern Ireland. And his words were, God's calling you to broadcast the seed. Two weeks later, Andrew and I were on holiday in Cornwall. I'll never forget this. We went into this little chapel by a beach on a Sunday morning. And this guy called Barry Kissel was the visiting speaker. He was a well-known Christian leader who I'd known from a previous generation an older man now, and he said, God's called me. He said, wherever I go, I give the same message to the people of God. It's this, broadcast the seed. The hairs went up on the back of my neck at that point because I knew God was speaking. We have biblical instruction. We have prophetic instruction. We believe in the word and the spirit. We're absolutely committed to both. And here they are, right lining up. Anna Scott says this, God doesn't send the lost into the church. He sends the found into the world. We do find it hard, but God is and will help us. So we've been given instructions as a church. Secondly, also, we've been given the Spirit. He was promised. 
Jesus said, turn, sorry, Peter the apostle said to the crowd, turn to God, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to all who've been called by the Lord. The coming of the Holy Spirit on the believer is a promise to all who believe. That includes you. He lives in you. It was Jesus who said, I will ask the Father and he will give you the one who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit. Whoever believes in me, he went on to say, rivers of living water will flow from within you. By this, the writer says, he meant the Spirit. So he was, the Spirit was promised and the Spirit lives in us, in you. So therefore, we don't need to wait. We don't need to wait. We're terribly good at waiting in England, in the UK. We're very good at waiting for the doctor. Sorry, Quessy. We're very good at waiting at Sainsbury's these days to even go in the shop. We're very good at waiting to cross the road. We, we wait for the green light. You know, God's given us a green light. He said, I've given you instruction. I've given you my spirit. I live inside you. I've called you to go. You've got the green light. You don't need to wait. But sometimes we do. The Spirit has come. And we step out on the promise that He is with us and will be with us. Not, we don't wait for the next experience before we go. We don't need to feel Him. We need to obey Him. And when we step out, He steps in. The Spirit comes as we go, if you like, would be another way of putting it. And Jesus did more among the people than he did in the synagogue. It was when Peter and John were walking to the church meeting that they came across the cripple in Acts chapter 3 and brought healing power into his life, and he walked. He'd never walked before. It was when I was engaged in a conversation with some neighbors of mine a little while ago now, well into the conversation after a church event that they had come to as guests, that I became overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit of God and a compassion that he had for their salvation. And I actually wept over them. They soon after relocated. They retired and moved away. I don't know what happened next, but I do know that God was on them when we spoke. It was as I stepped out that God stepped in. Alan Scott says this, God is doing more beyond the church than he's doing in the church. While we wait for greater anointing in the church, we miss our appointment in the field. We don't want to do that, do we? And you know, I have missed loads of opportunities. I will have missed them because I didn't even notice them. And I've missed some because I've fought shy of them and decided, oh, no, no, I can't go there. But I also are learning to take more of them to ask God for more and to take them. We went on holiday recently, as you know, in our camper van, and um, we had a couple of nights on route to Orkney, as you can imagine, one of which was in Northumberland. And I got talking to a guy at the campsite, and um, I thought, oh, this is a really friendly guy, we're having a good chat. And uh, I, said, I discovered his name was Christian. And when he said his name was Christian, but it obviously he wasn't, it obviously wasn't a Christian, my kind of spiritual antenna went up, and I thought, oh, I think there's, some, there's not coincidence that God's led me to speak to him. 
we had, anyway, cut a long story short, we had a great conversation, and before I left, I was able to give him a little booklet as to how to find Jesus. It's called Why Jesus. If you haven't read it, you might like to look it up online and get it. Lockdown is creating lots of opportunities for Andrew and I in our road to chat to neighbours and to get to know people in a way that we didn't before. And I want to encourage all of you to look for those opportunities as well. Last week I was having a coffee with somebody and I got up from the table outside Albert's in Thorley and, uh, to walk home. And um, there was a guy just walking down the, the pavement there who was obviously struggling, he had a stick and his, his legs were, were difficult to move. And, um, and so I, th- I kind of thought and saw him and, and walked by. And then something inside me said, Peter, go back and talk to him. So I turned around and, and walked around and, and chatted to him and uh, was able to chat to him and in the end to pray with him for his healing. He was happy for me to do that. It was a God-given opportunity. I could so easily have missed it. In fact, I, I kind of went away and then I thought, no, 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 come back. Last week, um, Angela was able to talk to, just from helping some people with some food distribution, end up talking to five different neighbours for over a period of about 25 minutes. People that we'd not, we didn't spend time with before lockdown. Lockdown's created opportunity to get to know people. And in fact, just the other day, she was able to pray with one of our neighbours for the first time. So we've been given instructions. We've been given the spirit. We don't need to wait. When he steps out, when we step out, he steps in. So what holds us back? Why don't I step out more? Why don't you step out more? Why don't we go very much? Well, it may be we need motivation. It may be that we're fearful. It may be that we get distracted. For me, I can identify that it's all three at different times or sometimes all three together. But I do believe that as we get more motivated, so distraction ceases to become a problem because we become more focused. And I think that's what God is wanting to do with us as a church is to help us to become more focused on the instructions that he's given us to do in every way possible. It'll be different for all of us to do our part in being partners in the gospel and helping to share good news about Jesus and point people towards him. We're going to watch a very short video clip now of a guy called J. John, who is an amazing communicator. He's very funny, and I'll, afterwards I'll explain why we're watching it. Let's just see that for a moment. My wife and I, okay, uh, we've got three sons, and we say, hey, we've not seen the, the boys for a while. Let's all hang out together for a day. You know, we'll go to our, our favorite forest, and we'll have a barbecue, and we'll spend the day together. So we do. Now it's time to pack up and leave. My wife and I pack everything up, and we realize we've only got one of our sons with us. We've lost the other two. So my wife and I say, well, let's go into the forest and search for them. So we've lost Michael, we've lost Simeon. So we go in, we search, search, search. We only find Simeon, we can't find Michael. So we say, oh, well, never mind, let's just go home. (laughs) Win some, lose some. (laughs) We lost two, we got one back. Sometimes you've got to count your losses. No! What would we do? We would search for Michael until he was alive or dead. That is the kind of analogy that is used in the Bible to inspire us and to encourage us to seek and to save the lost. 
he's a great communicator. Uh, in small groups this week, there'll be some other extracts of videos, slightly longer, of, of J. John, which I think will encourage and inspire us, as well as amuse us greatly. So you can look forward to those. Andrew and I were at a church camp with uh, 5,000 other people a number of years ago, and a good friend of ours lost her 18-month-old son. And she could not find him. And she was beside herself, as you can imagine. What has happened to him? And she got all of us as friends around her to, to, to search, and we spread far and wide. We scattered, searching for little Paul. And thankfully, I'm glad to say, eventually he was found. Do you know where he was? He was in the, in the rear section of his parents' tent eating sweets. <laughs> He'd been there all the time. The point was that her heart caused her to seek him. She thought he was in trouble. And our hearts joined with hers and we responded. Of course we did. God's heart is for the lost, is for people who have never turned to him. He wants to help us, to engage us, to inspire us, to take part in that search, to go out there and to search for people who are lost, who are walking towards that proverbial spiritual lamppost before they hurt themselves on it. Everyone needs to turn to God. You know, when I step out and engage with ch chatting to somebody, which sometimes might lead to praying for them, sometimes won't, but whenever I engage and chat to people and whatever that might lead to, I'm always glad afterwards. Jesus is always there and the Holy Spirit is always doing something. And the same is true for you. Let me draw to a close. Alan Scott says this, Spiritually lost people are irresistible to the Spirit of God. They are at the heart of the mission of Jesus and the longing of the Father. Therefore, every step that scattered servants take beyond the building is a step into what God is doing. We know, don't we, the Bible tells us God wants everybody to be saved. So what Alan Scott says is absolutely true. We've been given instructions. We don't need to wait. When we step out, he steps in. What's our response? Well, I want to invite and encourage you to come with me and the other elders on a journey together. Let's seek to move forward and to ask God to touch us and to change us where we need to, to give us the courage, to motivate our hearts, to give us compassion that people we know around us and to lead us forward. Let's pray together, shall we? I want to encourage you to, uh, if, you're, if you're happy to, just to hold your hands out to God as a sign of, of wanting to invite him to come and touch you today. It may be that you, you know that you need more passion, you need more motivation, you need more compassion, however you might like to express it. Why not ask God now to come and touch you and to change something in your heart? He's, I believe he's doing that in my heart and I'm asking him, Father, I pray that you will continue to touch my heart with the compassion that you have for the people around me who don't yet know you. And I pray that you will touch all of our hearts as we reach to you right now.
that we'll be different from this moment on, that something has changed in Jesus' name that results in changed lives, changed ways of living in the future. You know, the more you pray for people who don't yet know Jesus, the more passion will grow in your heart. So let's be praying for people, and we'll find that that's one of the ways that God answers the prayer that we've just prayed. It may be that you need more courage. Let's ask God for courage. Jesus, you know that there are times when an opportunity presents itself or somebody's there that we could just chat to, not necessarily even about you, but just chat to, and we find it difficult. We need courage to step out. I pray that you will put such a, a courage in our hearts, that such a compassion in our hearts that goes with it, uh, that will cause us to start chatting to people, will cause us just to take that step, knowing that as we step out, you will step in and that you'll be doing things. Holy Spirit, come on us, change us, give us fresh courage as we step out in Jesus' name. And it may be that this morning you need to turn to God. That that's, you realize as, we speak, as I was speaking earlier that I've, I've never done that. Then I encourage you right now that you can make that decision as I did years ago. It's the best decision I ever made. The second best decision was marrying my wife. The first best one was to come and follow Jesus, turning to God, becoming somebody who knows him and follows him, worships him and serves his purpose on the earth, bringing purpose and meaning to the whole of life. So if you've never done that, you've never turned to God, I encourage you to do that today. Begin to speak to him. Just say to him, sorry for the things that you've done that haven't been good. And then talk to somebody. Talk to a Christian friend if you have one. If you don't have a Christian friend, I'd encourage you to either write to us if you'd like to, or to hang around after the end of this, this service in just a couple of minutes' time. There'll be a Zoom call uh, with people waiting to chat to you as a guest if you'd like to do that. The information on how to do so will be on the screen in just a moment. God bless every single one of you. I hope you have a really good week, and I'll see you again soon.